Good evening and welcome to Health Beat, a program where WDIY and the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health discuss our local social determinants of health. My name is Matt Trust from the Pool Institute for Health, filling in this episode for WDIY's Greg Caponia. As always, we are delighted to be joined by Edward Meehan, Executive Director of the Pool Institute for Health. Ed, welcome. Good evening, Matt. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. And tonight, we have the pleasure of welcoming back to our program, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Lehigh Valley Health Network, Dr. Brian Nestor. Dr. Nestor, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. The last time you joined us for an episode of Health Beat, it was the summer of 2021, and it was an award-winning episode for WDIY as well. So really great to have you back. The bar has now been set. So now, by the way, the... The last time also you were on this show, we talked about the exciting news of the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health coming to fruition. Ed, I'll start with you. It's been close to two years now. Let's start with the elevator pitch, if you will. LPPIH, its overall mission and what we look to accomplish under the LVHN umbrella. Sure thing, Matt. The The Leonard Parker Poole Institute for Health preserves and continues the legacy of Leonard and Dorothy Ryder Poole and is interested in addressing the health issues, well, I should say the community issues that impact health that are uh, in addition to healthcare service delivery. So there are a number of things that impact health at a community level, and four of them are what we're particularly interested in, education, particularly cradle to college or career education, safe and healthy housing, uh, integrated well-being in the community, uh, mental health community-wide, and food and nutrition. And how we address those determinants of health at a community level is through four different pillars. One is accurate data that we can use to have to analyze and, and do a better job in terms of organizing ourselves for service delivery. Secondly, equally important, is the authentic voice of the community, involvement of people in the community at a neighborhood level in improving the health of their lives, which is in a, they're, they're the most important people in the whole arrangement, strengthening partnerships, strengthening cross-sector work, which is very difficult because very oftentimes agencies don't have the same glossary of terms or be able to talk with one another, and then building the infrastructure to keep that sustained work going forward. We believe very strongly that this work is neighborhood-based, it's place-based, uh, and so those four goals that we approach and the the pillars that we use to do that work really happen at a neighborhood level. Dr. Nestor, we are approaching the two-year anniversary of the Pool Institute for Health. So far, what has just your assessment been of the progress to date, some of the opportunities, challenges, and really just the, the unexpected findings of the Institute that you've noticed so far? Well, a a couple things, and it's kind of hard for me to talk about the opportunities uh, and our progress without, you know, casting a little bit of a dark net over the impact, severe impact of of COVID in these last three years and how that's reshaping, uh, not in a good way, health care across our region uh, uh, in the ABE area. And, and certainly nationally. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with some of the challenges that are impacting our success. Uh, and, and, but by the way, on an optimistic side, only further validate the importance of the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health. And I am grateful that we pulled this off, you know, at the beginning of COVID so that we at least have, you know, a bright North star to chase here for our communities. But let me just quickly review some of the disasters that have happened over the last 
a few years and and give some context for how I answer all the rest of your questions today. Uh, so first of all, you know, the country's hospital and health system has served the nation well during the pandemic, but it has, the challenges have amplified many sad truths and unmasked massive smoldering issues that have been in our uh, healthcare landscape for the last 50 years. Number one is the fragile, as we refer to a dollar swap of our healthcare economy that we've relied upon is unmasked. Uh, and what that is, is that we have been persistently, uh, hospitals, health systems, losing money on government pay patients, Medicare, Medicaid, dual eligibles, and uninsured, and making up those losses by ever increasing rates and uh, expenses or, or costs to the commercially insured population. That is over. It is a delicate balance that allows our industry to have a one to three to 4% operating margin. It is dead in the water. And sadly, uh, that economic plan that we foundation we rely upon is in the active phase of collapse. Hospitals, and here's the problem, uh, getting to community health. The hospitals that will sink first will be those that take care of the most vulnerable populations in our society. Uh, and example, there are over 650 rural hospitals, I'm only talking about rural hospitals, okay, that have lost money for at least three years in a row. Um, these are organizations, therefore, that are not making the necessary advancements to keep up with the miraculous medical solutions that are evolving every single day. And people in those communities, therefore, will not get A-rated care. I'd argue they'll get D-rated care. So I think this is a reality, and we need to expect that the overall U.S. health measures will continue to decline. And we've seen an erosion in those health measures over the last couple of years. This is nothing we should doubt. I guarantee that this is already underway. Third thing, obvious now, other than the National Guard and FEMA for national disasters, the nation's functional safety net, which the net that actually protects our local citizenry, is not a federal or state agency. It is a loosely stitched together net of services provided by local hospitals and health systems, obligated to do so because our government, our federal system, and prioritization of spending spends about 55 cents on social services for every $1 of healthcare services, while the rest of the world averages about two bucks on social services for every $1 in healthcare. I don't like the idea of two bucks per one, but I can tell you that it isn't 55 cents. Federal, state, and local agencies basically proved during COVID that they are not the first line of defense for taking care of our community. I, I think, and I only have two more for you. Uh, number four, the severe workforce shortages that were way underway for doctors, second in line were nursing. The nursing critical shortage and para-nursing healthcare professionals has blown away, okay, uh, doctors as the number one problem we face right now. And sadly, because of that, uh, we learned uh, in a corollary manner that it is the rare human being that actually wants to take care of other humans. And no place is that more obvious than our skilled nursing facilities, where no one wants that job. And sadly, more humans will decay in place every single day. Last point, um, my list could go on and on, but suffice it to say, I believe the last few years have presented tremendous challenges for us to be successful um, in terms of community care 
thank God for the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health, however, which is the focus of this conversation. But please, everybody understand, our national healthcare system is in the active stage of collapse. I'm not an alarmist. This is reality, and you will see it bear out in healthcare measures over the next several years. So that's the challenges. Let me get optimistic here for a moment. Uh, we have, despite all these challenges, been trying to walk the walk of those principles that are embodied within the Institute. Representative example, first thing uh, we thought of during COVID was we were going to go to those vulnerable communities and get there either by hook or by crook. Uh, we wound up having putting together vans that went to street corners to make sure everybody got vaccinated. We used those same vans to get vulnerable elderly people in skilled nursing facilities where no one was ever going to get to. So we've done the walk to walk. And I'm very proud, and I know we'll talk about this, is that we pulled together the community to have an important conversation about how we can work together and convene. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that more on our healthcare symposium. But I think the other great opportunity that exists and progress is that the Pool Center for Health Analytics, which you might call the carburetor within the vehicle, which is the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health, is alive, well, progressed amazingly. And we probably have one of the best community health surveillance data sets uh, that exists. By the way, support, not, it's not just me saying it. Uh, we work closely with uh, representatives from the CDC. We have CDC fellows here helping us. So I think we've refined the populations. We know who needs our assistance proactively and disproportionate assistance uh, to make sure we make an impact on health. I'll stop there. <laughs> Dr. Nestor, Matt, go ahead, Ed. <laughs> to Brian's great credit, I think what you just heard was the classic description that Brian has of high vision, high vision, national scope, national scan. And then what are the implications for us, you know, at a local level, at a neighborhood level? And that's extremely important. COVID, I mean, the institute born during COVID was really difficult, just exactly as Dr. Nestor said. And that's, that's pretty tough. But I think to LVHN's great credit, the whole idea of the establishment of the Institute as a way to think going forward about the health more broadly in the community is fairly unique. We've, we've worked with Ripple Foundation and others to kind of do a national scan. Dr. Nestor mentioned the CDC. We've looked around to see what other health networks and other communities are doing. And there are exemplars out there, but LVHN stands out, I think, pretty uniquely in having an Institute dedicated specifically for this work. Community conversations are a huge focus of the work at the Institute. In our last episode of Healthy, we were delighted to be joined by Allentown School District's then interim superintendent, now newly appointed permanent superintendent, Dr. Carol Burks. And one of her first few days with Allentown School District back in November, she attended the first annual LVHN Community Health Symposium. And, and we do want to allocate a good chunk of our conversation towards the symposium, some of its findings, and, and preview some of the findings in this episode. It took place back in mid-November, November the 16th, 95 attendees. They represented about 35 primarily Allentown-based organizations. And Dr. Nestor, what was your vision for this inaugural event? Why did you think it was important to bring all these leaders in our community together to have one centralized conversation about the, the health of the Allentown community? Thanks for that question. You know, the, that, that was a very, very, very important day for me and for LVHN. Um, and I can't even tell you how delighted we were to 
take probably about six months to kind of shape the agenda, to to talk to community members and leaders uh, that are doing wonderful things for our community, vulnerable community members, and and try to have a conversation around, so what do we need to do now in the face of all the disastrous kind of things that I've, I've mentioned in my opening remarks? It also uh, was an opportunity for LVHN to declare to those PAR community partners, you know, the results of, of our conclusions, I should say, about LVHN's role in all of this. Now, we've, we have been working over the last seven, eight years to really understand what our role is, and I think we've narrowed that down. We have the humility to know that we are never, despite being a healthcare and medical organization, uh, the largest employer, uh, so proud of all of our caregivers and what they do every single day, we're only responsible for about 20% of health. So much of the other, the 80% is related to the social determinants of health, which is the foundation for the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health. So we, ha- we know very well, we can't do this alone. And we could do, and I always say this, we could do everything right. And if Allentown School District fails, we will, we will never improve health for our community. So we've, we've wrestled with this and we've come down to a couple conclusions. One is the health of our overall community is only as good as the health of the least healthy cohort within that group, number one. So it obligates you to focus on those who have the greatest challenges to become healthy. We also concluded that if you're not taking care of moms and babies, you're not taking care of families. If you're not taking care of families, bad things will happen at school and in the community. Um, and it's going to be a negative cycle and spin. So with that recognition, we wanted to declare that to our community partners and say that we are, we're happy to convene. We're happy to make sure we're together. We're happy to support. Uh, financially and otherwise, the conversations necessary for us to pull together all of our resources collectively and to rank and prioritize the most important things we should do, not the gigantic portfolio of things we all do today and could do, but start to get down to the things we need to do to provide the greatest return on investment with a metric being community health. So I think that was the goal. Let's lay our cards on the table. This is where LVH stands. This is what we're about. This is what we can bring to the table, but it's our collective table together, and we need to understand what you think. That was the vision. Dr. Nestor, you you gave the plenary uh, address that morning in the symposium, and one of the topics you touched on is, is moving the needle. And I thought that was uh, very apropos, kind of coming at the question that Matt asked you, but in a different way. You had said, well, we could we could have someone lower their cholesterol by 10 points, or we could have a lot of people lower their cholesterol by 10 points, but it might not move the needle that we need to move in community health. I wonder if you could kind of expand on that for a minute. Yeah, sure, uh, Ed. And you know, as I read over, you know, some of our discussion today, and I saw this as one of the one of the things we talk about. I just I never got a chance to tell you ahead of time. Thanks very much for not including my name in that because the, <laughs> the example was me. And by the way, it's not just losing 10 pounds, I should probably lose 30 pounds. Uh, but the point is, you know, uh, trying to help uh, an individual, like, for example, like myself, who has, and, and these are just categories, you know, has uh, the money needed to take care of myself. I have a, a loving uh, family that uh, supports me. 
I have a car to get to and from doctor appointments. I have extra money in my pocket to pay for the co-pays. I can get away from work and go see if, for example, an endocrinologist to evaluate whether I have diabetes and whether I should use an insulin pump or strategies. Helping me, okay, if you want to put that in a category now, those groups of a higher socioeconomic status that tend to be very engaged in their care because they can be, that's not going to help community median health improve at all, I don't believe. So don't waste your time on me. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to be taking care of everybody. And we will. The reality is if you don't disproportionately focus on those individuals that are actually having real challenges in their life around the social and economic issues that prevent them from getting engaged in their health, we're going to never, ever improve the mean. So if you look at a frequency histogram of risk scores on a community, which, by the way, because of the Pool Center for Health Analytics and other data sets, we have risk scoring on the entire population, you're not, you don't want to center your effort on the two-thirds of that group that has fairly decent health. You want to focus on the third that has this is the trailing end or tail of a long frequency histogram of people that have terrible risk scores and don't have the means to access health. If you don't focus on that third, as I call it, the, the fragile trailing tail on a frequency histogram, you're never going to prove the median. So that was my point in all that. Um, and again, we'll take care of everybody, that's for sure. But we have to give extra attention and focus to those that are in that cohort that tend to be the most vulnerable members of our society and tend to be government pay patients, Medicare, Medicaid, dual eligibles, uninsured, because those folks need disproportionate services to help them get on a good, healthy track. Very resounding takeaways from the symposium. Uh, and the things you just highlighted, the emphasis on the most vulnerable, if you're going to move the needle, uh, the emphasis on women and children, and the emphasis to a great degree on how do we use the assets we have uh, better deployed with the, with the benefit of good analytic data, community voice, organizing ourselves around those broad factors that are beyond healthcare, and how do we sustain that over time? Yeah, absolutely. And the report to the community is coming soon from LVHN that really showcases the entire event and the conversations that were had at the Community Health Symposium. And to preview, there were four essential themes that really emerged from the Community Health Symposium. And Dr. Nestor, we would love to have you comment on each of the four themes uh, that were initially brought up. One of them was the need for a deeper collaboration among community partners. For you, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think this is, uh, again, as I mentioned previously, we can't do it alone, and we're going to need deep collaboration with our community partners. Uh, we started on that journey probably about five years ago around saying, well, what does that look like? Uh, and, and what we did is we, were, we looked introspectively. We were not providing sufficient skills or resources in our clinics that were serving some of our more vulnerable communities. And we, had, we just decided we're not, although we love doing this work and it's part of our mission, we need to reposition it and literally give it away and work with a totally separate entity that can access federal level dollars and a different model. That's the federally qualified health center model and create a new organization 
from resources we have that we need to give away to a group that we know will shepherd it better than we can. And that's Valley Health Partners, as an example. Valley Health Partners is a jewel for us in this community. Uh, they are an independent organization. We work functionally together. Uh, but that's an example of a community partner that we are now providing more resources, increased depth of resources, now pediatric dentistry, ophthalmology, all sorts of things that alone as a health system we couldn't do. That's an example. And then we look at fabulous partners that we've had along, CACOV, Ripple, so many community organizations, Council of Churches, just a couple examples. And, and there's many, many, many that are just as important. Uh, and, and realize we got to understand the unique attributes those community organizations have and how can they bring them together in an overall recipe that bakes the best cake possible. So what I learned out of this, I'm thrilled, number one, for this finding that people feel we need deeper collaboration. Thank you very much. But they also said that we also need to, that can't be a once, in, a once a year get together. This needs to be an ongoing, deeper relationship with frequent interactions and thought sessions so we can refine our focus to get the best possible outcomes for the energy and finite resources we have. You mentioned data as well and the role that the Pool Center of Health Analytics play. And it's worth noting that a lot of the nonprofits and community participants want to understand the complexities of social determinants of health and have that desire to access and use data more effectively. How gratifying is it for you where there is a want within our community partners and we have the resources there with the Pool Center of Health Analytics to be able to supplement? Yeah, you know, of the four major themes, I think this one is the most important because, again, we can see ourselves as a convener. We're going to put extra resources into moms, babies, families, education, a cradle, if you will, to graduation. You know, uh, there's a lot of energy in the community around that. We think that's where most of our beneficial assets sit. But convening for the purposes of saying not just we need partners, we can't do it alone, but let we can detail these partners on social determinants of health and give them a different lens through which they can then look on their own internal resources and refine how they can bring them to the table. There is a story to be told to both public and private audiences here in the region. And by the way, so many organizations that are doing good things for our community and we're not moving the needle. The good news is we have a fabulous, vibrant community of people that are donating money, donating time, working in these community organizations. But together, we have to face it. We're not moving the needle. And so much more is required. But we don't have infinite resources. But we could be more targeted to tell, reveal that information to our community partners so they can give us feedback, the feedback so we can refine the story to those audiences of what we can accomplish. This is what this cohort of community partners can do. This, this is what this group can do. This is what LVHN, this is what St. Luke's and other health systems can do in this community. Uh, I think if we get that story down, we will see enormous support from our community members and we will really get on a better path to uh, liberate that needle moving positive for the community. So I think that Having this two-way conversation and us educating, if you will, through the data sets that come out of the Pool Center for Health Analytics 
that are intimate related to social determinants of health will give them a better lens to know how they can help in a more refined fashion. I think that's where we're going to crispen this story and be able to take it on the road and actually make a make a dent in this. Matt, you know, as uh, Dr. Nestor's mentioned, we've, we're learning from lots of people all over the country. We were we were fortunate to have uh, Dr. Jim Marks uh, join us uh, oh, a couple of years ago when we were when we were formulating the institute from CDC and then also from Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And one of the terms that he always used was uh, no data without the story and no story without the data. And we have the data, which is the the analytics, which is extremely important. But the, but the community voice and the, the perception from the community is, is also equally important and very vital. So I'm very mindful of the fact that without one is powerful, but the two of them are extremely powerful together. And so the, the idea that the feedback from the audience at the wrap up at the end of the day was uh, more community involvement, more community folks, where are the young people? Be mindful of more disenfranchised communities. They should be at the table as well. And I think we, I think we always have to keep a mind to say, who's not here yet? Who do we have to include that we haven't included thus far? And Ed, you did the wrap up. Great to see that there was energy as well for innovative solutions amongst those that were in attendance. That was just, uh, you know, height of COVID, middle of COVID, not-for-profit agencies really, really stretched to the max. And the feedback at the end of the day was, thank you for this uh, opportunity. The conversations and the breakouts were terrific. More, please, more. Let's not wait a year. Let's let's continue to have more innovation and more work together, break up in smaller groups and, and have some functional work done. So that was very heartening. Dr. Nestor, we have about two minutes left. The final question that we'll leave you with is, had this tremendous event, this community health symposium, we've absorbed so much information and have learned a ton through our community partners. Soon there will be a report to the community, but overall, what's next? What do you envision as the proper next steps? Yeah, I think we need to lay out a very uh, crystal clear roadmap. uh, And we like to use in our our vernacular, uh, organizational development vernacular, RACI, uh, those that are responsible, those that have the authority, those that need to be consulted, and those that need to get uh, need to just give input or be informed. Um, I think we have to get down to that level of specificity about what each organization can bring to the table, what role specifically they play in this, and what our overall objectives are together as a collection or portfolio of community organizations, and what we anticipate will, can be the outcomes and what are our goals by say by 2030. I think we need literally a roadmap, a document that we can all get behind, sign on to. And I'll tell you, I think we can have different conversations with state, federal authorities, uh, local municipalities. Uh, again, we have low, great local uh, municipal uh, uh, relationships with uh, departments of, of, of health and others that are you know, very engaged. I, I just think we have to, with the clarity of mission, purpose, and goals, um, I think we can have more focused conversations and make real, really big hits in terms of improving uh, health. So I'm optimistic. Uh, about that, uh, but it's going to take a lot of work, line by line, organization by organization, to pull that story and roadmap together. But we got it. We can't rush to conclusions. We can't rush to initiatives. We got to get this right at the foundational level, and then let people execute. 
That is all the time we have on this episode of Health Beat. We want to extend our thanks to Ed Meehan and Dr. Brian Esser for their time and also all the men and women back in the WDIY studios for making this episode possible. For more information on the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health, be sure to visit our LinkedIn page as well as our website at lppih.org. As always, we thank you for listening and have a good evening.